Right, Mark chapter 2 is our passage of Scripture that we're going to study this morning. And again, let me just uh, extend a warm welcome. Thank you for being here today, uh, our members and, uh, at Great Hills. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for your support of your church with your attendance and with your financial giving. You are what makes things happen around here. And if you're a guest today, let me just say it again. Welcome, welcome. We're thrilled that you are here, and I want to kind of bring you up to speed as to where we are here in 2018 at Great Hills Baptist Church in our series of sermons. And also, just a word of welcome to those who are watching us uh, online and with our live stream. We have many, actually literally hundreds of people who are tuning in and watching us. So uh, why don't you all just turn around and wave at the, just wave like that. Okay, excellent, excellent. have a bunch of people here waving at you, and so thank you for joining us uh, online. So if you are a guest, let me just share with you where we are. We are in a series of sermons, which is very common for pastors, preachers. That's what we do. We preach series or preach entire books of the Bible. And so what we're doing is we're looking at Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, the four gospel writers, which are the four biographies of the greatest person who ever lived, and that would be Jesus Christ. And what we're doing at Great Hills is we are calling the series of messages for the, somebody help me, for the one. Everybody put your fingers up in the hair, high in the air like you just don't care, right? All right, all right, number one, one. That one's not us. It's for the one person that God would lead us to today, tomorrow, all throughout the week because not just a presupposition, it is absolutely the truth. Everybody is dealing with something. Everybody's in a battle you may not be able to see it on the outside, but on the inside, people struggle. They are, life is hard, and life is more difficult and hard for some than others, so you never know who you come up against and who you might be able to, even people that may be a little upset with you or angry with you because hurt people do indeed hurt other people. So we're just trying to be sensitive to the Spirit of God as He leads us to people in Austin, Texas, or wherever we travel that we might be just cognizant of the fact that people hurt, God loves everybody, and we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that we are to help and to encourage. We watch Jesus do this, and he's fascinating. I mean, he's absolutely phenomenal at it. He told us the story in Luke chapter 15. He said, you know, let's suppose that you're a shepherd, and you have a hundred sheep in your fold, and you're happy in Luke 15, 1 through 7, until you notice, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 99, 99, 99, where is that one sheep? And you're like, oh, we've lost one. And so Jesus tells the story that the good shepherd will leave the 99 and he will go out and he will go in the highways and the byways of life and he will find that one lost sheep. And so that really is... <clears throat> The basis of this study that we're calling it for the one, for the one lost person, the one broken heart, the one that God is pursuing, that God loves, and that one that God uses us to go to seek and to find. You ever get uh, a little overwhelmed by what's going on in the world? Do you ever just the systemic problems, for example, of sex trafficking, to give an example? or the systemic problem of racial inequity and racial prejudice and bias, which is still very real in our world today. Do you ever get 
just overwhelmed when you see injustice or poverty or pain or, or cancer, or you just look at the seven billion people on planet earth and <clears throat> most of those have no relationship with Almighty God as He's revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you ever just go, do you ever get tempted to go, oh, what's the use? I'll just walk away and, and I'll just let it, let it go. Let me, let me give you a better response. You cannot do everything and you can't help everybody, but you can do something and you can help somebody. Y'all remember the little anecdotal? It's a cool little story and and I've shared it before, maybe you've heard it before, and it's about the little boy who's on the seashore, he's walking along the ocean, and there's all these starfish out on the, on the seashore, and he's just walking along, he's about eight years of age, and he just picks up one starfish, and he tosses it back into the water to save its life, and then he goes to the next one, there's hundreds of these, right? Hundreds of these have been washed up on the shore, and they're baking, they're dying, they're not supposed to be there, they're supposed to be over here. And this older guy just walks up, and he starts shaking his head, going, ah, kids these days, ah, kids these days. He says, young man, what are you doing? He says, well, sir, I'm, I'm saving these starfish. And the older man looks at him, he goes, son, you, just, just look, I mean, you, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There's hundreds, if not thousands of these. And the little boy, just undeterred, he bends over and he picks up the starfish. He turns to the man and he says, it matters to this one. It matters to this one. For, help me, the, for the one. So Mark chapter 2, here we go. We read this last week. We studied it. We want to study it some more. Preach the word. Bring your friends. And watch Jesus work. And so in verse 1 it says, and again, he entered Capernaum. Eighty percent of the miracles of Jesus happened in this city. On the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, we'll be there in just a few weeks, and we'll be looking at Capernaum at the synagogue where Jesus spent a lot of time. Peter's mother-in-law's house is right across the street from the synagogue. We'll look at that today. There's a church built there. Peter and Andrew, brothers, they lived in Capernaum. It's Jesus' Galilean headquarters. It was Bethany in the south in Judea is where he spent most of his time with Mary and, and Mar Martha and Lazarus. But here in Capernaum, he's back at it, all right, again. And after some days, it was heard that Jesus was in the house. Immediately, ethus, which is Mark's favorite word. We looked at that last week. In fact, in this narrative that we're looking at today, three times Mark gives this staccato, this quick, upbeat a narrative. It goes, immediately, urgency, with alacrity. Come on, this is happening. And Jesus is in the house. And when, it, when everybody heard about it, they came. And they just started pouring in from the city. So much so that there was no longer room to receive the people, not even near the door. And so Jesus, he preached. Laleo is the word there. Really to speak. He was preaching in perfect tense. He was continuing to teach them and to preach them. Continuous action in past time. That's the imperfect tense in that Greek verb, laleo. And so they came to him. They, the, 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 the pronoun they refers to four men, four faithful good brothers came to Jesus and they were bringing a paralytic, a paralyzed man and he was being carried by these four men. Can you picture this in your mind's eye? 
there are four men. They're walking. I don't know how they're holding him, but they've got the cot, the mat. And maybe it's just one of those that's, you know, just it's, he's, he's lying in the middle of that. And it's got four corners of the bed sheet. I don't know. And they're, they're, they're holding him. And they come up and they go, wow, the, the perimeter in the house is just full. And they're going, mercy, how are we going to get in the house? Excuse me. And they're like, no, 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 this is my spot. There must have been some Baptists there. You know what I'm saying? No, no, this is my seat. No, no, no. You, we come to hear him. You go sit somewhere else. And they're like, well, there is nowhere else. And so they started going, ooh, wait a minute. One of them said, I got a great idea. If we can't go in this way, we'll go up this way. So when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. You know, debris and dust, dirt's falling down from the roof. And there, there you see this man. I, again, I don't know how they're doing this. Maybe some pulley action, some ropes going. And I don't know, maybe they cut a hole and a couple of them jumped down. And then they were receiving the paralytic as he is coming. You're talking about causing a scene. What was Jesus doing when they cut a hole in the roof? Preaching the word. And what's fascinating to me is that he doesn't get upset. He doesn't, he doesn't go, oh, I rebuke you people. What are you doing up there? Coming around preaching the word. What is going on up there? No, I believe Jesus is doing just the opposite of that. I think he's smiling. And I think he's looking up. Who knows? Maybe he's got dirt in his hair. Maybe he's shaking it all out of his beard. And he's going... What's going on, guys? He sees them. And he said to them, when he saw their faith, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, and they're reasoning in their hearts. They're debating in their hearts and in their minds. And they're asking this question, why does this man, why does this Jesus speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, they were right, but they were just mean. <laughs> Y'all know anybody like that? They're straight as a gun barrel and they're just as empty. They are right doctrinally, theologically, politically, socially. They're just right. And they're mean as they can be. If you have a choice between being Mean and kind, <laughs> choose kind. That's, that's what it says in the little movie Wonder. Yeah, choose kind. Well, they were halfway right. They were right in that only God can really forgive sins, but they are wrong because they don't recognize that God has actually come to them. God has visited them in Capernaum, in Israel, in the first century. And we call it the great doctrine of the incarnation when the almighty God, the Son, the second person of the triune God, He has left the glory of heaven. He's taken upon human flesh, and He's walking in Capernaum. And He looks at this man. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven you, and I can say your sins are forgiven you because I am God. Ooh, that ruffled some feathers. That made some people mad. And they're reasoning in their hearts and their arms are crossed and there's a scowl on their face and they're just so angry. But Jesus immediately, he perceived in his spirit that that's what was going on. That they were reasoning within themselves and so he said to them, why? And a lot of times Jesus does this. He, he, he asks questions. 
and he, he makes them think about what they are doing just by asking this question, why do you do this? <laughs> Remember, y'all, the house is packed. There's people everywhere. There's, there are even people on the roof. There's people coming out of the roof. The whole city, perhaps, is just turned out. And, there's, and, and so now you've got this big dialogue going on. you got Jesus. you got a man whose sins are being forgiven. you got four friends who are being commended. And then you got a religious aristocracy, the, the elite, the, 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 the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the council. The Bible says in Luke's account of this that they had sent up this contingent. All the way from Jerusalem and the temple, they traveled all the way up to Galilee so that they might catch Jesus. And they might, they might could say, well, you're wrong and, 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 and we're right. Some people go a long way to make their point. So Jesus says, why are you, why are you doing this? Next verse. Well, let me ask you all something. What is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or... What if I were to say, arise and take up your bed and walk? But that you might know, oida, know by experience, not gnosko, just know knowledge, but know that you might know it by experience that the Son of Man has not dunamis, which is a great word, right? But it's exousia. Ooh, I can't wait to come back to verse 10. Will y'all stay around for just a few minutes so I can come back to verse 10? Okay, thank you. That the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you. All right, now hold on just before you go to verse 12. Arise. Do y'all understand what's going on here? Jesus is putting himself out there. If this, if this old boy doesn't get up off of his mat... And if he doesn't spring, put a spring in his step and walk out the door, then Jesus is a fraud, right? Because Jesus has made this audacious claim that I am God. I forgive sins. But if this guy doesn't, if God can forgive sins, then surely God can raise up a paralytic. But if this paralytic does not get up, then Jesus Christ is not telling the truth, okay? But he's telling them, I'm telling this guy, his sins are forgiven just so that you'll know that I am the Son of Man, that I have this power. I say to you, young man, take up your bed and go to your house. And verse 12 says, and ithus. I just think about this. I, mean, I didn't plan on doing this. Let me, find a, let me find a good spot to do this. Oh, ah. oh it feels good. So I don't know. He's lying on the mat or the, the bed, right? And now if it's, you know, you think after... After being like this for, I don't know, how long, how many years? And Jesus says, arise, get up. And he would go, okay, this is how I get up in the mornings. All right. Yeah, let me see. Hold on. He didn't do that, did he? He just like, bam. He just bounces up. Because listen, when God does something, God does it real good, right? And he says, get up, young man. And so immediately, Ithus, Mark, Gospel of Mark, he arises, he takes up, not only does he get up, he gets his bed, he goes, excuse me, I got some folks I got to tell about this, and shazam, he runs out in the presence of them all so that the people were, wow, amazed. Amazed, they're 
jaws are dropping, their hands are raised, the tears are filling their eyes, and they're glorifying God. And they say, man, we've never seen anything quite like this. Wow, what a story. Last week we looked at the emphasis of Jesus as he preaches the, the word, as he is the living word, and he points us back to the Old Testament word, and he's preaching that word to them. And secondly, we noticed how it's so important, it's so neat to bring your friends, to invite people to hear Jesus. Now, no, Jesus is not up here preaching. You, it's me. But Jesus has called me, and Jesus has commissioned me to preach his word. And so one of the things we do is we mimic what's going on in that passage of Scripture. We, we want to hear the Word of God, but not only do we just want to hear it for ourselves, we want our friends to hear it, right? Amen. I mean, we, we want people to hear that there is a great God who loves them, who, man, He, he forgives sins, he, he reads minds, He heals bodies, He saves souls, and He is marvelous, majestic, He is, he is incomparable, and, and we want our friends to get in on this because we want them to know God, right? And so when we bring our friends and Jesus is on display, and so we watch him, we watch him work. And so verses 5 through 12, we're going to walk through this outline. I've got it for you here. It's just a, a few little pointers we want you to jot down. For example, the first one, watch Jesus work. Number 3A is Jesus forgives sins. And that, that is what's on display. That is the primary thing. That is the most important thing. As the Son of God... He has power, he has authority to forgive sins. And in verse 6, the scribes and the experts of the religious law, they are they're putting a question mark where God has put an exclamation point. And they're questioning and they're, they're debating, they're reasoning in their minds. And who can do this? Who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. This guy's a blasphemer. Who is this man that he would make such an audacious claim? Five men, four carrying the one. They're not reasoning at all. They, they're not debating at all. They, they don't have any problems at all. They, they have a great need. They hear he's a great Savior. What have I got to lose? I need my sins forgiven. And so come on, sir. We, we've heard there's hope. So we're going we're gonna to take you and... We're going to be unconventional. We've never done anything like this before, but we're, we're going to go into the presence of this rabbi, this teacher. And, and so let's see. Let's just see if he can help us. The most important thing about this whole story, guys, is in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Number two is Jesus reads and rebukes religious minds. Jesus reads their minds and he rebukes them. One writer puts it this way, both were alike and impossible to men, right? Both are alike and impossible to men. To forgive sins and to raise up sick people, that's impossible for mere mortals. But it's equally easy for God. To the teachers of the law, it was easier to make the statement about forgiveness because who could verify its fulfillment but to say, get up, walk, well, that would indeed be verified by an actual healing that everybody could see. In verse 10, I love verse 10. said so I'd come back to it. Let's look at it. But that you may know, oida, that the Son of Man, 
Now, why did Jesus call himself that? You know, he did that 81 times in the Gospels. You said, why did he call himself the Son of God? Did he deny that he was the Son of God? And it dawned on me not long ago that, and people have questioned me about this. In fact, we were in a debate with a Muslim person one time who said, well, Jesus, he never claims to be the Son of God. And then it dawned on me, who said John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave what? He just called himself the Son of God. And in the Gospel of Luke, they cry out and they say, Are you the Son of God? Jesus said, It is the truth. So he does claim to be the Son of God. But 81 times he says, I'm the Son of Man. He relates to us in our humanity. In Daniel chapter 7, this figure who will come, this prophecy of the Son of Man, and Jesus, he says, I am that person. And, and he relates to us and to them and their humanity. And he says, And as the Son of Man, I will say to you, Arise. And take up your bed, because I have this exousia, this authority. That's an interesting concept. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, there are three times that Jesus uses this word exousia. I know we're in the Gospel of Mark, but, but stay with me for just a moment. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and the people say, wow. We've never heard teaching like this because he's not like the religious scribes and Pharisees, but he speaks as one who has authority, exousia. And as one person put it, put it this way, that speaks to Jesus, his ethical authority. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He preaches these beatitudes, he preaches this great sermon, and they are saying, wow, listen to his authority. The second time Matthew uses it is the parallel passage to Mark chapter 2, which is Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus, as the Son of Man, I have authority, this exousia, to say to you, uh, your sins are forgiven, and that speaks to Jesus his redeeming authority, all right? His ethical authority in his teaching, and now his redeeming authority to, to, to say to you, arise and your sins are forgiven. And there's one other time. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, the preface to the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, therefore, go and make disciples. And so that speaks to Jesus, his all-governing, all-sovereign power. That's an important word. It's an important word study for us because it says that Jesus is God. He is God come in the flesh. He has all authority. That's how he can read people's minds and that's how he can rebuke the religious people before they even, <laughs> before they can even speak their blasphemy. Jesus already read their blasphemy and he turns the tables on them. How do you do that? How do you do that unless you have been imbued and empowered with the very authority of God himself? And there he is, exousia. The next thing I want you to notice in this, in this text is Jesus heals sick bodies. And I don't want us to miss this. Jesus still heals sick bodies. He tells the paralytic, get up, and he gets up. It's an amazing miracle. It's, a, it's an astounding miracle. I agree that it's the lesser of the two miracles, but it's still a pretty amazing miracle that a man could be healed. And so that's our study. I want, I want to close my message today with some points of application. I want you to 
jot these. Well, you don't have to jot them down. I think we've even printed them for you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, I pray. As I speak these words to your people. Father, I pray right now that there would be, there would be faith. There would be trust. And that, Lord, there would not be criticism and there would not be judgment, that there would be grace and that there would be, Lord, in this very place, a people who would say, Lord, we believe that just as you did then in Mark chapter 2, we believe you can do today in Austin, Texas. And so, Lord, we believe in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, Jesus still welcomes those who hurt. Okay? Jesus still welcomes people that hurt. If you don't have it all together, you're in a good place. Because we at, at Great Hills Baptist Church, we, we don't see ourselves as some big resort, some place where people are just coming in and just happy and everything is rosy and everything is great because that's not reality. This is more a hospital than it is a hotel. Let me give you another analogy. This is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. All right? This is not a cruise ship. This is a, this is a battleship because we're in a battle. We're, we're in a battle against the evil one who, who hates us and who wants to destroy us and kill us. And so we at Great Hills Baptist Church, if you hurt, then you're welcome. I love the little phrase, you know, no perfect people allowed. If only perfect people were allowed, this place would be empty, Right? I sure wouldn't be up here. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And so we go to the one who is perfect, and we find in him hope. We find in him help. We find in him a Savior that says, you hurt, and you come to me. And we come to him today, all of us. And we're in a good place. We're in a great place because we find in Jesus someone who's compassionate. He looks upon our faith, and he says, come. I do want to brag on our church for just a minute. I jotted down just a few of the things that Great Hills does to put, you know, put action to our lofty words. I think about our ESL, our English second language. Saw one of those guys that y'all are teaching in the ESL Life Bridge. Saw him at the gym this week, was working out, and he recognized, well, no, he didn't recognize me. I recognized him. And I went up to him, started talking to him, and he says, oh, pastor, he says, would you pray for me? <laughs> a Muslim from Iran asking a Baptist pastor, would I please pray for him? How, did, how does he even know about me? And this, he, he's a, he comes here. He's in our ESL, him and his son. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. Think about our benevolence ministry. Just this week, I heard of hundreds of dollars going out from our church to help our church members. What a blessing. And then I think about our grief share. Do y'all know we have a couple in our church? They open up their home for those who grieve the death of loved ones. Don't want to mention any names, Felix and Catherine, uh, you know, daily. But, but they, they do open their homes and people go to their home and they're ministered to. And why would we do that? Why would one of our church members open up their home to hurting people? Because that's what Jesus wants us to do. And then I think about our Alzheimer's ministry. Praise God. We have people in our church that are ministering to those with dementia and Alzheimer's. And guys, I'm just scratching the surface. I could go, it would amaze you. I'm amazed at the number of ministries and things that Great Hills Baptist Church does. Why? Because Jesus welcomes those who hurt and so do we. Number two, 
He responds to faith. Jesus responds to faith. He is attracted to belief. He rebukes unbelief, but he sure does love it when we trust in him. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My favorite verse on faith is Hebrews 11.6. Because without faith, you see it? It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A little boy in the Swiss Alps, he was with a group of botanists and scientists, and they had discovered this rare species of flower. And a little boy, you know, he's just, he just kind of trailing behind. He's from this, this city, and, and these scientists, man, they are they're going crazy. They're tripping over themselves, wanting to go, we've got to get that species, that rare flower down in this ravine. And, and they're like, well, who's going to go get it? And the guy's like, I'm not going to go get it. You know, I'm, I'm not going. And this little boy comes walking along. And they say, hey, little boy, would you, uh, would you let us tie a rope around your waist and we will hoist you, we will lower you down into the dark ravine, all right? And then when you see that little species of flower, would you please pluck it and bring it to us because it would mean the world to us. And the little boy said, hold on just a second. I'll be right back. And he takes off, and the scientists are going, where's that little fella? He was the right candidate. He was the right weight. And we could just lower him down. He came back with a man. And this man was walking with the boy, and the boy said, I'll be glad to do it. But he has to hold the rope because he's my dad. Because I trust my dad. That's the way we are with Jesus. We trust him. People fail us. Religious leaders let us down. But Jesus never fails. And Jesus loves it. I wonder how that man felt when his son said, Dad, I'll go all the way down. And he did. Lowered him down. I wonder how the dad felt. I wonder how God feels when we don't question him, we don't debate with him, we just simply trust and obey. There's no other way to really be happy but to trust him and obey him. The last thing I want to share with you is Jesus, he still forgives sins. He still reads our minds. That's a scary thought, isn't it? What y'all thinking right now? If it doesn't have to do with faith, anything that's not a faith is sin. So if it's a faith, God rewards that. He still forgives sins. He still reads and rebukes minds. He still heals broken bodies. He still saves those who believe. Dr. Derbyshire, he graduated from University of Arizona. And he gave his life and ministry in Thailand as a missionary doctor. His medical degree takes it and he goes, and I heard him preach on this very text one time, the same text that I'm trying to preach from today. And Dr. Derbyshire, what a cool name. He said, um, you know, as a medical doctor, I, I love when sick people come to me and I'm able to diagnose them, help them set their broken bone, give them this medication, and to watch them walk out going, thank you, and I feel so much better. But he said, I'll tell you what gives me far greater joy is when those patients come to me, and before I set the bone, before I give the diagnosis, I say, do you know there's a Savior who died for you? 
he did, a, he did a study with some Buddhist monks. True story. He invited the Buddhist monks into his home, and he said, we're going to do a Bible study. Y'all know, I'm a, y'all know I'm a Christian. You know I'm a missionary doctor, and I know y'all are Buddhist, Buddhist monks. And I just want to, I want to ask you guys, what do y'all want to study? Now, that's, a, that's a great idea. Instead of my agenda, what, what would you... And unanimously, they all raised their hands and said the same thing. You know what it was? This is what they said. We want to study, is it really possible for a man's sins to be forgiven? Because we can't find that. We can't find forgiveness of sin. We carry this weight, this burden, this boulder... And Dr. Derbyshire said, you got it. We'll teach you that. Do you have a broken body today? Some of you say, I do. Guys, I want to tell you something. There's a list this long of Great Hills Baptist Church members who have cancer. Literally. You know who you are. I've been texting some of you and praying for all of you. Tomorrow in our staff meeting, we will pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, well, I hurt. Not, not so much from a broken body, but just hurt. My soul hurts. My spirit hurts. I read in my quiet time this morning, a merry heart does good, like medicine. You'd say, yeah, that sounds good, but I don't have that. Do you think Jesus could help me with this? Yes. Yes, I know he can. The, the thing that he will do... The only thing he will do, he will, he will bring healing, he will bring help, but the only thing you can bring is, is faith. <laughs> and even God will help you with that. Just say, Lord, I, I don't understand everything, and I, but, but I just believe that you can help my soul, my spirit, my, my broken body. I, I've seen this story so many times in that, I watch this great theological doctrinal uh, channel, and I usually watch it early in the morning. It's ESPN, by the way. I don't know if y'all have seen it, uh, but it's uh, 3.30 in the morning, Tuesday morning. I couldn't sleep. That's, that's very usual for me. It's somewhere between 3.30 and 4.30. I'm awake like, shazam! My mind is going, and I can't turn it off. Little mind, big thoughts. It's scary, you know, scary. And so I'm going... What are, and so I cannot go to sleep. I'm just wide, until I go to the couch, lay on the couch, and watch ESPN, and I'm gone. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it's my, I know my wife is here. I just don't know where she is. Where are you, dear? Oh, there she is. Bless her. She'll say he's telling the truth. Oh, clockwork. So I turn it on 3.30 the other morning, and... Um, Coach Martin, there he is, head coach, Kansas State University. Went on to become the head coach, University of South Carolina, men's basketball team. Last year, took them to the Final Four, if you all remember that. His story is on ESPN at 3.30. I heard it again last night about 1, 1 a.m., driving from Dallas back to Austin. And I'm going, this story's everywhere. Is anybody else hearing this story about Coach Martin when he has this pancreatic attack, and he's lying in the hospital bed 12 days, and he's about to die. He's probably in his late 30s, early 40s. It's 2006, but just now he's telling the story. True story. He opens up his, his, his uh, 
his phone and he says, pancreatic cancer, basically you're going to die. There's, there's really no hope for you. 4% are going to make it. He said, I could feel myself slipping away. And his uncle came and stood by his bed. And um, he's standing there and he's just burdened for him. He's his godfather. Y'all know godfathers are? I mean, not the mafia godfather, but, you know, it's his, he's kind of adopted him. You know, it's his, it's his, um, it's his nephew. And he's, he's slipping. He's slipping away. Coach Martin's about to go into the presence of God. Ready or not, he's going. And so this lady walks into the room. This Asian lady walks in the room, puts her hand on his uncle. And she said, do you mind if I just pray? If I pray for your nephew... Would that be okay, Father? And the uncle goes, whoa, time out. He's a, I'm no father. I'm no priest. I'm not his father. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm his uncle. She goes, no, you're a father. You're a father figure to him. He says, okay. She said, let me pray. ESPN, okay, takes the camera, moves it on the cross on the wall. And this lady's praying, and, and Coach Martin says, Oh, my word, something happened to me. He said, I, I, something really strange happened to me, and I was no longer sick. I was, I was completely healed, and I left the hospital the next day. So, so the Asian lady, she walks out of the room, and, and Coach Martin's wife sees her, and, and she says, to the coach's wife, she goes, ma'am, it's, it's all right. Everything's going to be okay. Your, your husband's going to be healed. And she goes, oh, oh, okay, thank you. And the Asian lady just walks off. They can't find this Asian lady. Nobody's seen her. No nurse, no doctor, nobody has seen the Asian lady who's a nurse in the hospital in Kansas City, Missouri. And then ESPN has the audacity to put on the screen at 3.45, messing my sleep up. I can't, I'm a wide awake, excited now. And it says multiple reports throughout Kansas City of an Asian lady who's praying and people are being healed and we can't find her. We, don't, we can't find who she is. I'm gonna tell you something, guys. That is a miracle of God. That is an angel of God. So well, I got cancer in my love. I ain't seen no Asian lady. I ain't said nobody come pray over me and heal me. Why? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't go there. Your arms are going to be crossed. You're going to be angry. You're going to be offended by God. Just believe and trust Him. If He wants to heal you, He will heal you. If He wants to take you home, He'll take you home. But I, my point of this whole story is Jesus still works. He still heals people when he wants, when he chooses to. He still... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Listen to this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He may not heal your body, but he'll always save your soul. Always save your soul. He'll always... So let's, let's trust him for that, even now. 
heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and we're trusting the Lord today. He's attracted to faith. He's attracted to weakness and meekness. But the stubborn and the proud and the unbelievers, he, he just can't help them. Would you be helped today? I want you to be helped. For some, your first step is a step of faith out of the darkness into the light. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Would you come to the Lord today? I invite you. Let that be your very first step. It'd be a baby step. You may be here today and you're an older person, maybe a younger person. And for the very first time, you would step out of darkness into light and say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand everything. I've got more questions than I've got answers, but I've tried about everything else. Help me. I believe in you. Come into my life today. Welcome, my friend. Welcome to the family of God. Others of you are here today and you'd say, I've taken that step, Pastor. I need to take another step. I need to take a step toward God in obedience. These precious children and this lady led the way today and I watched them in baptism. I need to do that. Why don't you do that? Why don't you make that commitment to God? Some of you, your next step, and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, but I got some really amazing news for Great Hills today. I would invite you to come to our new members class, but it's absolutely full. We're going to have to ask you to wait to the next month. But those of you that signed up for May 6, 13, and 20, your next step is to become a member of our church, and we welcome you. We welcome you. But the decision to come to our June new members class may be made today. You may be saying, I want to be here. I, I want to be a part of this church. I want to be... I want to be one of those that's helping with the Alzheimer's ministry. I want to be one of those people out in the parking lot. I, I want to be one of those that is serving and using my spiritual gifts in this church that does believe the Bible and does believe that God still works the miraculous. And you, you are very welcome. We welcome you to here today. So, Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for the teaching of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the singing of your praise. And we pray now, Lord, in this most critical time where... Life and death, heaven and hell, hanging in the balance. Lord, we're going to walk away today, and some are going to walk away in pride and arrogance, and they're going to not believe, and that's so heartbreaking. But for those, Lord, who do believe, and those who say, Lord, I trust you, that is so heartwarming, and so we welcome, we welcome them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for still healing for still saving. I thank you, Lord, that I don't have to understand. I just got to believe. I don't, I can't always figure it out. But I know, God, that you are good. So I'm praying. I'm praying for everybody in this room and those who are watching online and those who will watch this at another time. God, may they, may they come to know Jesus and may you, Jesus, reveal yourself to them in power. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing praise to the Lord. We'll have people here at the front that can pray with you, that can encourage you uh, in your walk with God. And let, let me say just a couple of things before, before we sing. 
one of my mentors, he told me one time, he, he made a public statement. He said, if I were ever to pastor a church again, we would have healing services in the church. Listen, when he made that statement, all of us Baptists about passed out. Woo, passed out. Because Paige Patterson was the one who made the statement. Paige Patterson is the president of Southwestern Seminary. And he said, I'm serious. If I were a pastor again, every Sunday we'd have a healing service. So why does it hurt? What would it hurt to offer your people? We'll pray for you. And if God so chooses, he will heal you. But if he doesn't, we'll still trust him. So every Sunday, he said, I would have a healing service. You come and we'll pray for you that God would heal you. He said, what if, what if God doesn't heal me? Can I just make you a promise? God always does something. He just does something. It may be peace. It may be joy. I, I don't know, but it, we can't help you, and God can't help you. And then you take a step, take a step toward him. Would you come? You know, Brother Ross up here, he'll pray heaven down on you. Brother Daniel, others, pray. We got church members out here. We even got some new church members out here. I bet if you were to come, and if you were to get full over here and say, well, I don't, there's not room for me. We'll make room for you. I didn't expect, I didn't, I didn't anticipate saying all this. So I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're hurting with, but you come. You come. We'll pray for you.